Hey everyone, this is the Professor Rick Del Santo of the PWZ Podcast. If you're interested in professional wrestling of the independent kind, the National Wrestling Alliance, and the United Wrestling Network, check us out on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and anywhere you listen to professional wrestling podcasts. Discussions contain spoilers. Abductions of young women are still being reported. Another woman with mysterious radiation burns has been discovered. We're gonna have a baby. Oh my god. I can't believe that John's wife was murdered. You have to try and pull yourself together. This city owes me. Well, what's that? Justice. Why won't anyone do anything? We are strong on crime. And together, we have the power. This is a big city. We're doing what we can. Tell the others, I'm coming for this. I need you to help me. I would, but I want them dead. Crime has remained at an all-time low thanks to Ninja Fever. We're going live with this. These men murdered her because of what she saw. (laughs) It's linked to these abductions. There's something weighing us down. It's that damn ninja. (laughs) New York ninja's a real hero. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 27 of Shocking Things. I'm John, and I am with Rick Del Santo from the PWZ Podcast. How are you doing, Rick? I'm great today. How are you? Very good. Uh, we are going to talk about New York Ninja, which is a very, very unique film, and we're texting last night about it. Now, you didn't really know the whole story behind the film, correct, Rick? Uh, not exactly. I remember you sort of telling me, I guess it was a, it was filmed in the early 80s and then not released until this year, correct? Yeah, so I'll, I'll get more into it because you, you sure. didn't seem to know. Th- this is why this film is so unique because there's no other film like this. Because, okay, it was made, uh, it was filmed in 1984. And it uh, basically it was a like film guerrilla style. They didn't get permits to film this. Oh. And then it just got abandoned. Uh, There was an issue with the company. It was a 21st century. And just got abandoned and just nothing happened. Uh, John Liu, who uh, was a director, the lead in it, 
he just he was done with filming altogether, just uh, the movie business. And when this got around this film, uh, uh, Troma acquired it at one point and they didn't want to do anything with it. They had all the reels and there was no sound to it. So Vinegar Syndrome picked it up and uh, the director Curtis Spieler got a hold of it and he was going through uh, all the footage and he said he can do something with this. So he hired all these different voice actors. Some are voice actors, some are actual uh, martial arts actors, genre actors, and he got them to do this. So they had to and he didn't have a script, so there's no sound. He only had limited, and it, and he had to edit this all together and piece it together and come up with something. So he did all the editing, cut out, and there's a lot of footage cut out. And if you saw some of the footage that he cut out, he explains why he cut it out, and you could understand why. So he wrote this whole script on his own because there was nothing existing, and he hired all these actors. So we'll, we'll go through it and... Uh, so, as directed by John Liu, who I'm not too familiar with. He did a, a lot of kung fu movies, uh, Invisible Armor, Zen Kwon Do Strikes Paris, and Made in China is uh, some of his credits. Uh, now, we have to, like I said, Curtis Spieler, he's co-director now because he had to go through all this and the writer. And Spieler directed the, the Devil's Well and Dead Girl in Apartment Three, which I saw uh, recently, which is a very good film. Uh, so, like I said, John John Liu originally wrote this, but we have no clue what the actual script is. So, this was done in a more comedic style. Would you say, Rick? <laughs> this, this, this new <laughs> this new version. So uh, uh, it definitely it, it's definitely out there. So yeah, um, it probably wasn't intended that way originally. It's but, yeah, you it's know, some of it was, some of it wasn't. You know, it, it's very right. it's very unusual. But that's the charm of this film, I believe. <laughs> right. So I'm going to say so. The actors doing the voices, uh, Don the Dragon Wilson voice John Liu's character, the New York Ninja. Did you know that, Rick? Yes, I did see that. Uh, I actually did a little bit of, little bit of looking uh, research last night, and I saw him uh, and realized that that was the voice of him. Um, yeah, and then, uh, what's his name? Is um, What's the other guy? It's the killer. The plutonium killer was Michael Berryman. Yes, who's yes. a notorious uh, cult film actor from the 80s and 90s. And you know, most people know him from uh, The Hills Have Eyes, but we yeah. We uh, love him most from being the uh, principal in the Motley Crue video, smoking in the boys' room, where he had a toupee yep. and a ventriloquist <laughs> dummy. Right? Right, right. Yep. But yes, Don Dragon Wilson, uh, considered greatest kickboxing champion in sports history. Um, and his wife, uh, Nita, is a Ginger Lynn Allen. Uh, I know Rick's very familiar with uh, some of her films. We're not going to discuss the ones he's the most familiar with, but... Um, I don't know what you're in, talking about. Yeah, so she's in the, the Vice Academy films and some of the Rob Zombie films. Uh, Linnea Quigley provided the voice for Randy Rydell. Uh, she's a legendary 80s screen queen. Uh, she was in such classics as Return of the Living Dead, Savage Streets, and Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. <laughs> Uh, Leon Isaac Kenny voiced the character Detective Jimmy Williams. He had roles in such films as Fighting Mad, Penitentiary, and Penitentiary 2. 
Uh, Rick and I were just recently talking about her not too long ago. Cynthia Rothrock. Yeah, Rick, 80s, okay. 80s, 80s, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Rick's playing just... some VHS tapes, as yeah. you can tell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she provided the voice of Detective Janet Flores. Uh, she's essentially uh, the martial arts queen of the 90s. Vince Murdaco provided the voice of Jack the Cameraman. Uh, he's a North American kickboxing cruiserweight champion. He was in uh, Flesh Gordon Meets the Cosmic Cheerleaders and Sworn to Justice. Matt Mittler did the voice of Freddie Cufflinks. Mittler appeared uh, in such films as The Mutilator, Basket Case 2, and voiced numerous characters on Pokemon. Rico was voiced by Darius Churchman. Churchman is in a TV film called The Fruit of Love. Switchblade was voiced by Tom Wayland. Wayland did voice acting for many projects, including Pokemon and G.I. Joe Sigma 6. The Pale Man was voiced by Bill Timoni. Timoni appeared in a lot of television series and voice and voice characters. Uh, again, Pokemon, very popular for this. I guess it, it fits with the ninjas. And uh, Muppet Christmas. Rat Tail was voiced by Wayne Grayson. Uh, he's another voice actor. Worked on animated series such as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Yu-Gi-Oh! Zihan Zhao did the voice of the kid. And he appeared in Aquafina is Nora from Queens and uh, a sketch on Sunday Night Live from 2019 as the cello boy. So the synopsis is um, a sound technician for a news station becomes a vigilante ninja in New York City after his pregnant wife is murdered. So we'll go over a little bit about the film. We'll talk about the scenes, Rick, and you could just tell me whatever you want to jump in. Just talk about uh, whatever you want. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, so first, uh, the film starts off with John giving his wife Nita a bracelet for her birthday on a street corner in New York City. She tells him uh, that she's pregnant, and he seems very happy but nervous with his uh, <laughs> the way he reacts to this, right? Yeah. Don Wilson uh, went overboard on this, which was great. Uh, then the, a woman's being kidnapped and thrown in a car, and Nita witnesses this, and she gets her throat slashed with a knife, Uh they didn't have a lot of money, I guess, uh, for the blood because it looks like someone just took a magic marker and put it around her neck. <laughs> <laughs> right? This is a, yeah. when you don't have a permit, you got to do, okay, so be quick, right? Yes, yes. It's uh, Roger Corman style, but this was, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, well, same, so, yeah, same, same type of similar, similar in that, in that, yeah, fashion. that uh, this movie makes his movies look like Spielberg movies or something. <laughs> 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 I'm just gonna say that at this point. But it's uh, but it was it was pretty insane. Like this uh you know, at first I didn't realize that it was like all overdubbed because I didn't know the original story. You know, I knew that it was and I'm this, glad this you kind of watched it from a different viewpoint than yeah. I did, because you're just looking at like what the hell is going yeah. on probably, right? When you're watching this film. Pretty much, you know, until I looked further into it. And then when I realized I was like, man, these these voices are not like this can't be the original people. Like this is another movie filmed in New York City, but like, you know, it was it filmed in another language? Because Yeah, nothing... that, that's what exactly what it looks like when you're watching yeah. some film uh usually netflix has a ton of right yeah. foreign movies that they have uh, yes, dubbed in english yes. and it doesn't match up that's exactly what this looks like yeah or even when we were talking about what's it uh enter the ninja where most of that was like oh uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so that's what i thought was going on here and then i was just like and then you know obviously i found out that the, the little bit of the story about the you know how it was um just like a script that was or a film that was dropped uh 
I'm surprised that Troma didn't do anything with this. Maybe they just didn't have the patience and I, I, that's the thing because <laughs> I believe it took two years for Curtis Spieler to put this whole together. So okay. it's, and when you look at all the the footage he cut, mm-hmm. he definitely put a lot of work into this because he had to piece together all the scenes, make up a story, and he said he tried to watch them talk and have words that somewhat matched okay what they're saying too so yeah so we put a lot of work into this so um yeah so then uh we were talking about the woman getting kidnapped thrown the car she gets her throat slash uh, knife thrown into her abdomen by freddie cufflinks a helicopter lands with uh, the boss of the news team coming out of it and jack the cameraman and randy talk about john's uh, wife getting murdered and uh, these uh, these abductions have to stop that was the yes. quote. And uh, John works for the news team and the crew wants to visit him. So John's on the rooftop of his apartment uh, in tears, holding a, a black bag with a card attached to it. Looking at the table, he set uh, for his birthday dinner with rose and balloons. And then he stomps a mud hole on the table. He's very, he's, he's very angry about this wife getting murdered. Then the female <laughs> reporter, uh, <laughs> Randy, uh, tries to comfort, comfort him. Now, do you notice the different blonde wigs she's wearing throughout the film. They're pretty obvious, these wigs. Um, Yes, I did, because I literally, uh, you know, my son Frankie, who's 11, watched this with me, or at least before he got got completely annoyed and left the room. (laughs) And the fact is, we were both like, man, she looks insane. Like, the wigs were not doing anything for her at all. Okay. <laughs> now, if you watch the the uh, the bonus feature, they actually they did track down the the actual actress who played her. Uh, Adrian Meltzer is her name, and she said she was given because if you see her, she has dark hair naturally. Mm-hmm. And she's given these wigs by John Liu. When she had the audition, nobody said anything to her. She shows up on the set, and he gives her the wig. She's like, "What's this?" And he says, "Oh, uh, the European market loves." Uh, women with since you have light eyes, they love seeing women with light eyes and uh, that are platinum blondes. <laughs> okay, and one of the and then uh, one of the makeup guys, uh, special effects crew, kept saying like, "You should try and get rid of this wig; it's not working." No, 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 it's it's great. So that's th- that's the reason behind it. Okay, okay. So uh, John opens up one of the gifts. Uh, he destroyed on the table. He grabs a framed photo and he just cracks it in his hand. Uh, I've been very angry at certain times with people dying in my life, but I don't just start taking the frame and the, the glass and start smashing it and crushing it in my hand so I'm bleeding all over the place. Oh, yeah. But, but uh, he was angry. And he's also wearing uh, this phenomenal calculator watch that was very popular that we all had in the 80s. Did I definitely I, I had one in the 80s uh, as well. I used to, you can set the alarm and uh, you know, on those, and that was always fun. You yeah. could write boobs if you yeah. learn that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. So then John reads uh, a card attached to the black bag. It's from Nita saying how John means the world to her. And then John takes out a pair of swords out of the black bag. So he's carrying these swords with him. So then a Cadillac. Uh, is in a lot and meets up with a man in the Fifth Avenue, and he's this is the pale man. Mm-hmm. Now the other man is the plutonium killer with the, the sunglasses on, and he it shows he introduces his little dart gun. He kills a fly with it, <laughs> very random. And uh, the photos of women are given to plutonium killer by uh, the pale man, saying these are the ones he wants. And the uh, plutonium killer says he's going to arrange this. 
the pale man said he'll uh take more women if he can get them and the voices for these characters are just so over the top yes right rick and this is oh. when you're watching saying what the hell is going on michael Barron is hysterical in this i i am led to believe that this was done on purpose i've watched yeah yeah really... to a degree to a degree it yes. is yes some of this definitely is meant to be like that i've watched some really bad martial arts movies where the overdubbing was just you know, horrific, but this, this takes a cake here, man. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. And, uh, the pale man reminds me of, um, Johnny from, uh, night living dead, the original sort of, the, okay. do you remember him or no? The beginning uh, of the film, he gets killed. I don't know if you've seen it in a while, but yeah. just a side note. Yeah. Now, um, so, uh, this is something you don't see anymore. In the next scene, a camel cigarette billboard glorifying cigarette smoking. <laughs> this is how you know. This is why this movie's great. It's such a, a time capsule of the 80s, of the things yeah. you don't see anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, John is placing flowers in the spot where Nita was killed. And a boy's being uh, mugged near him. The kid uh, tells the thugs he doesn't have any money, but he'll get it soon for them. So, these punks are typical 80s style. Uh, spiked leather, bandana around the head. Do you agree, Rick? Very like generic eighties. These characters that you see. Yeah, the guy was wearing like one of those, uh, like uh, spiked dog collar type. You know, <laughs> kind of like the kind of like the road warriors would wear. You know. Yes, in nineteen eighty four, I yes, I this is the type of stuff I loved, but my parents wouldn't let me wear for some reason. But yeah. Um... <laughs> they let me wear it like around the house, but there was no way I was. Going yeah, out, yeah, you couldn't go to school. Public. Yeah. So. Um, then uh, the plutonium killer picks up a newspaper at the headline, Another Lady Vanishes, Abduction Continues. Then John is on a boat and throws flowers and a picture of them together into the water. And then uh, a gang leader takes money from his minions. So this is a very strange, very 80s, uh, like almost like Death Wish 3 style looking <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> right yeah it's a very weird 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 they, they get more and more weird as we go on these uh yeah. these punks throughout the film so um and one of them's wearing a checkerboard painter's cap which was all the rage back wasn't, in that time period do you remember those weren't they made by vans or something like that the, some of them were yeah this had like the flaps on it too i want to say oh, right oh yeah like the yeah like the camel one like the, yeah, uh, or whatever they'd call them. Yeah, like kind of like a mullet, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're phenomenal. Yeah. Then John walks the streets and he runs into the gang and he fights them off. Uh, then John talks to. Uh, we're introduced to uh, Detective Jimmy Williams, asking him for help. And then uh, from behind it, the, the the detective looks like Arsenio Hall for a second. If you look at him quick, and then he turns around like, okay. But if you look at him with the with the the high low, he looks like him in his uh, stature. Do you agree, Rick? Did, yeah, you, is it just me uh, thinking this? Or no, I was gonna say it's like now that you said it, but it's definitely the hair that does it. Like, yeah. <laughs> so uh, and he had those cool little arm pads too that were uh, on the jackets back then. Yeah, they were all like on the the elbow pads, right? Yes, like, those, yeah, yeah. Those, yeah. Those I don't all the rage. You don't see those anymore. No, yeah. when I was a little kid. I had a suit like that, and I thought they were phenomenal. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, Jimmy tells him John to be patient. They're doing what they can. So John's in his apartment, and he's now he's cutting his hand with a ninja sword. He does a lot of this cutting now. Yeah, it, how's this guy even have a hand? Any hands left after? Yeah. Like, because I was like, this guy's literally. How can you fight? Insane. How can you yeah. fight later? Exactly. Right. I mean, exactly. my hands would be like bandaged up, and have peroxide all over them. 
Yeah, it would have taken weeks. It would have taken weeks to heal, and this guy's like out there just within a couple of days. You know? yeah. yeah, but he's a ninja, so uh, that's that's right. He, yeah. So uh, then, a woman and her husband are being chased by a gang off the subway. Uh, one of the punks looks like Cheech Marin with his uh, wool cap on. <laughs> yeah, and more right. village yeah. people looking uh, punks. This is a theme in the ninja movies to see the the cowboy looking character, Rick. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> now and then I did research. Now the woman she's running off the subway with her husband. Mm-hmm. The woman was another uh, adult film star, Sharon Mitchell. Okay, I remember her. Uh, yes. Does she uh, look familiar too? When you saw her, you're like, yeah, she had, yeah, she had like a big nose and stuff. Yes. Uh, yeah, short hair. Yep. yep. Now and then I was looking at for the the uh, the cut footage from here. And it shows right after, Curtis explains, he didn't want to add the, the scene right after this because it didn't really fit the vibe of the film. Because right after that, uh, they get off the subway, the punks catch her and her husband, they rape her, and they you know they pull off her clothes, and they take lipstick and put them uh, around her, circle her breasts with it. Very, it's, it's almost like um, very, very Death Wish style. If you mm-hmm. see that, have you ever seen the first? I don't know if you've seen the first Death Wish in a I've while. I've seen the first, yeah. I haven't it, seen any other that, like okay. the other ones I haven't seen since I was a kid. Okay. It re- sort of reminds, it kind of reminded another movie, Ms. 45, if you ever heard of that, that takes place in New York City. Okay. Sort of like a rape scene like that, kind of like a combination of the two, because there's a scene from Death Wish where he goes, they have spray paint. And <laughs> not that it's funny. But it's just, it's so absurd. Nobody would do this in real life. And he goes, yeah. let's paint her ass. <laughs> kind, of, kind of reminded me like that, but more violent. And then, so that's why Curtis said it didn't really fit the vibe of the film. That's why I cut it out, which makes sense. Because this is more lighthearted and comedic. So uh, then John, show him he's in the city training with the sword. And then... Uh, then we have another woman that's about to be raped by the men and uh, wearing pantyhose over their heads. More that unusual. Was definitely, yeah, that was something you'd usually see in like bank robbery movies and stuff yes, like that. So, yeah, so very strange. And then this mysterious white ninja appears. He's throwing shurikens at the criminals. And then we have tourists with a camcorder filming thieves stealing jewelry and a purse from a woman on the street. Did you enjoy this, Rick? This was another... Yeah, that was ridiculous. It was, <laughs> He's it was wearing roller skates now. The, the New yeah. York Ninja. So this that scene with the roller skates, I was like, "What? Um, what the hell is happening? Like this is." And he's moving. He's moving so slow, but able to fight the way that he is. Uh, with you know, off like a mob of uh, gangsters with the yeah. roller skates on. It was yeah. I was like, this is John Liu uh, should have. You know, I should be lucky this wasn't released back then. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, we we loved it. You know that. Oh, yeah, Especially as for kids, we we wouldn't see the humor. We would think this is all like serious. Yeah. Yep. And uh, and then the, they actually appear and like reappear at some point to the roller skates, mm-hmm. and he gives uh, the punks uh, the dreaded double no- naga knocker, another ninja trope apparently, right? And uh, and you see, and he's wearing the mask. Uh, best way to describe those plastic 
those transparent masks. You see these throughout the film. You remember those, right, Rick? Yeah, I do. Did, did you notice that, like, ever after since that, like, everybody was just walking around with them, like any hoodlum in this movie? After then, this yeah, scene, you see it. Yeah, then it gets no more and more. Yeah, yeah, it's like every sing- and they're just like they're not just like you know any scene where they're acting like hoodlums. It's just like no matter where they're walking around, they just have them on from this scene on. It's it was yeah. it was just really absurd. It was weird. I brought up that movie before, Ms. Forty Five. Like one of the characters in that movie wears it. So I'm wondering if that's where the inspiration came from, or okay. you know, Alice, Sweet Alice. If you remember that movie, yeah, I remember and, that. And of, and of course, uh, False Faith in the '66 Batman series. So yeah, it, it's a great look though that mask. Yeah. <laughs> so then the the thugs get reinforcements trying to take out the ninja, and more of these these masks are appearing, and the the tourists are still filming. The ninja spear is uh, the life of a biker gang member while killing the others. You, this is uh, almost like 1989 Batman. You know, they must have gotten a hold of this movie, and we don't know. He, he wants the bikers to tell the others <laughs> that he's coming for them. I wonder if Curtis Spieler watched that and maybe got an idea from that. But uh, the plutonium killer picks up another newspaper with the headline, Ninja Saves Tourist Couple. And then uh, Randy's driving with John. They see a gang. Uh, believe the same ones that we saw from the subway earlier, the Cheech Marin one. Um, they look suspicious, so they follow them. And the thugs pass by a movie theater on 42nd Street that has Ninja 3 The Domination playing. Oh, I don't know if you noticed that, which no. was very... Which is I, I thought was just a, a great Easter egg. That's hilarious. I didn't see that. I, I did see how they were walking through and like Cats was, uh, you know, playing. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I didn't yeah. even realize it was around when this movie Oh, was yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, there used to be ads for it constantly in the 80s, I remember, on I Channel mean, 11. Oh, God, yeah. It was it was huge. So, then uh, the plutonium killer, he has a box that says, Delicate Handle with Care in the next scene, and then he takes off his leather gloves and sunglasses, and his hands are very scarred. He opens up the box, and his green light flashes in his face, and looks like he's blowing a load in his pants, the, the expression. Uh, right, Rick, I don't know how else you'd explain it. I don't know how else to explain it either. Go, oh, 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 oh. This, this, there's a couple scenes like this in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it gets, yeah, it progress, progresses more, gets more yeah. and more excited. Uh, and right? you really have no idea what the hell is going on. Like, it's just, it turns, it went from like a ninja movie, like a typical vigilante, <laughs> like to like this weird supernatural film. It was just very, yeah. very, very weird. That, yeah, then his uh, then he has a, a hole forming in his palm, and his face is partially melting, and he, he puts a candle out with his hand. Yeah, very, very odd. Very odd. So then uh, the gang, John and Randy, were following are now seen near a dumpster with the cowboy character sitting, whacking a baby doll with a stick. I don't know if you caught that in the corner of the screen. Just uh-huh. bury it. Yeah. <laughs> so then Jack the Caraman Rander in the van watching. And then John pulls like a, a Superman Clark Kent. He goes, um, you, did a, you think that too? That's exactly how it, when I was sitting there with uh, my son Frankie, I described it. It was like it was like it was taken out of Superman 2 where he suddenly disappeared and then reappeared as like himself. Yeah. So the, so the John Lou definitely stole that idea. So he tells Johnson he's going to get something to eat. So he vanishes, and uh, these women are going into a Datsun. The gang crisis. <laughs> the car is phenomenal in this. My mom had one when we were kids. 
<laughs> so, so then the gang tries to carjack uh, the women. Uh, they pull the woman out of the car. Then the New York ninja appears and takes the punks out. In a, this is a more comedic fashion, the way mm-hmm. this was done compared to some of the other uh, fight scenes. Then John, uh, like you said, Ricky comes back. Like Clark Kent now. He was Superman. Now he's Clark Kent. He asked if he missed anything. <laughs> Jack and Randy. And uh, so then... Uh, there's an abandoned warehouse where uh, we see these abducted women are chained up. They're being roughed up by Freddie Cufflinks. And I told um, at the uh, the screening that was in Seymour uh, on November 27th for uh, New York Ninja, the director was walking around. Curtis Spiel, I told him, I said, uh, I was talking to some people. Did you see it? Like half the crowd didn't see the movie. I said, oh, I said, I just want to tell you what my my favorite line is that you said, <laughs> you said to the woman. He's like, what's that? He goes, look at you. You're trash. He's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> He's almost looking like, really? They said, like, that's your favorite line? Just because it was so ridiculous, the things he was saying. He's looking, walking around and saying, look at you. You're trash. Shut up. Look at you. You're <laughs> in your back where you belong. What are you looking at? Look at the ground. <laughs> and and he, he said he wanted this to be what would they say in an 80s film like this? I think this is pretty accurate. Do you agree? Yeah. They, they, yeah. They, yeah. I, now we go back and watch a lot of these movies, uh, you know, for the sake of this podcast. And, and, you know, I'm a huge fan of a lot of oddball films from that period. And it fits in pretty well with like what was going on at that time period, as far as like the way that it's uh, set up, like the, the, the lingo, I guess you could say. It, and you'd think it would be like a like normally like the way described be like a disturbing type scene. You had these women abducted, being chained up as sex mm-hmm. slaves. But he's so ridiculous that you just have to start laughing. Right. Uh, then the next segment, uh, cameraman Jack and Miranda are walking by a car, getting destroyed by a gang. Uh, they start filming. <laughs> Jack says they're probably on drugs. <laughs> then Miranda reminds Jack that it's his car that's getting destroyed. Right. And- <laughs> That part I thought was completely ridiculous. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't recognize your car. So then Jack yeah. uh, attempts to intervene. He gets attacked. Uh, one of the thugs has a nightstick as a weapon, hitting Jack in the thigh. Uh, now the, the punks grab Randy. The Shriekens appear out of nowhere, hitting the attackers. Randy gets free. Uh, the words New York Ninja are engraved on the throwing stars. I would love to have one of these props. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully uh, Vinegar Syndrome will make replicas of these because I, I would buy one. And then uh, the ninja now appears on the roof to save Jack. And uh, ninja uses weapons. I, I didn't mention before because, uh, because I'm like, what are these things? I saw them a couple times. I didn't mention them because they look so weak. Maybe just because their effects weren't very well. It didn't work as planned. He's throwing these eggs at the punks that like, semi-explode but with like powder coming out do you know what i'm talking about rick yeah i was like i thought that was very ineffective like it, it just like is it was it supposed to just throw powder at them or was that's it what I'm, I'm, to... and maybe they had an idea like okay we'll throw this and they'll explode but they didn't have the effects and because of the the uh gorilla filming techniques they just had to do maybe just a time to do one shot one yeah. take and that was it but it didn't really work so now the the ninja pulls out a gun, and then uh, one of the punks pulls out a revolver up to the ninja's head, telling him to drop it, drop it, asshole. 
And because <laughs> when you look at this, I don't know if you notice it because I can see on the big screen TV and it's such a, a close shot, a tight shot. You could tell the revolver's plastic. <laughs> and and this is uh, we're talking about all the weird like masks and just the, the gear that these punks are wearing. One of them is wearing green sunbathing goggles. Yeah. Yeah, that was I don't know what. <laughs> Rick, when you when you have a tight budget, you got to be creative, right? I mean, if I'm hanging out, you know, if I'm being a hoodlum, I'm wearing sunbathing goggles, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so then Jack is hiding uh, while filming, and the ninja fight fights back and takes down uh, the hoodlums. Jack is down the street and sees his boss driving his car and stops him. Uh, Jack tells him he has footage of the ninja. The boss says he has something better. And uh, shows him the New York Ninja throwing star, and then Randy pops up from the back seat, saying, uh, "She got it. This is this is how he got it it's from her." Then the plutonium killers uh, read another headline that reads, "New York Ninja strikes again." Now we see the boy we were talking about earlier running into the same punks that tried mugging him, and now uh, the thug is wearing this Captain Crunch style jacket. How would you, right uh, with a Van Halen patch on it? Is that a good description, Rick? Yeah, uh, it looked like he was in the marching band or something. The Van Halen patch was just the icing on the cake, I thought. It was 1984. Yes. Uh, so, uh, uh, so those goons uh, join in and start kicking the boy. Then the ninja comes out to save him, and uh, the gang leader shoots him and runs off. So John is in his apartment tending the injured boy and his own injury. So John uses a knife to take out the bullet from his pectoral area. So he is more and more like Superman as we go on, Rick. Right. Right. So yeah. he, um, we'd be dead if we got shot in the heart with a bullet, but he just pulls it out with a knife. So then, so now the, the boy knows uh, the identity of the New York ninja he, and he tells him to keep it a secret and he gives him uh, the boy, his Sharikin necklace. And then it says several weeks later, and John is fishing in red bikini briefs. Uh, yeah. I was watching this and I said, what the F <laughs> is this guy wearing? Like, seriously. Uh, same. Uh, I'll give you a little fun fact. My brother used to dress like that as a kid when we used to go to the pool. He had the same type of little, <laughs> little red <laughs> bikini briefs. So, <laughs> so then on the radio is playing in the background with a news report. Crime is at an all-time low thanks to, to uh, ninja fever. Abductions of women are still being reported similar with radiation burns. The police are labeling these murders to work at the plutonium killer. Now uh, we get to, there's a Halloween party in Washington Square Park where there's thousands of people in attendance and some were dressed up. And then uh, was doing the research. This is the last year they had that uh, Halloween parade there because it got too big for the area. They had to move it somewhere else in New York City. Mm. Um, I noticed one of the boys was dressed up in a Beast Man from Masters of the Universe Ben Cooper costume. And uh, the boy tells John uh, he wants a, a clown mask from one of the vendors. And John goes, you don't want to be a clown. <laughs> and then we see the Plutonium Killers wearing the same mask. And um, and the boy bumps into him and says, like, nice mask, mister. And um, and then the plutonium killer bumps into a woman who's wearing a, a silver shamrock-style skull mask. The plutonium killer asks the woman if she dropped this. 
And then this is uh, Rick texts me. He's watching this when he when he hypnotized a woman. Uh, he swings it like a pendulum, and Rick goes, "This lady's hot." <laughs> that's that's getting hypnotized. Um, and I said, "Rick, wait till you get to the next scene." <laughs> dude, she was she had beautiful. <laughs> so, her eyes were amazing. She was beautiful. So, yeah. So yeah. So if we have a contest and you want extra credit to to be added into it uh, <laughs> for this scene. Um, if you see the the passwords, heavy hangers. <laughs> so uh, so uh, so the plutonium killer <laughs> took the hypnotized woman into, <laughs> into the car, and she she's riding him. Um, and the plutonium killer's uh, was a reverse cowgirl, I, I guess you could say. <laughs> she he puts his hands on her back, uh, and then he's uh, he he's burning her right. with uh, his hands. Uh, and uh, the special effects is Carl Morano said uh, they used uh, gelatin to to use uh, to achieve those effects. Yeah. And, and then he strangles her. Plutonium killer strangles a woman. Uh, and then she wiggles around while doing it. And apparently, this was the actor's actual girlfriend. So that's why she was going all out for this scene. Wow. Okay. That explains it, right? Yep. So uh, the next morning, a plutonium killer is sleeping with a dead girl next to him in the Cadillac, and uh, punks are trying to mug him, and he uses his dark gun to neutralize one while a plutonium killer's chauffeur rat tail, because he has this giant rat tail. That's how he got the name. <laughs> you noticed that, I'm sure, Rick. Yeah. Can I just say how ridiculous yeah. this guy was? Oh, he's, he's he almost looks like uh, the Elijah Wood, so sort of like a tall, skinny okay. Elijah Wood. Does that sound accurate? Would you say? Yeah, all right, I'll give you that. Um, the character was just ridiculous, but I want when we get to the final fight scene later, I definitely want to go more into. Oh, that, sure, sure. That, definitely want to go more into that character. Okay, he, yeah, he becomes yep. more more uh, hilarious and ridiculous oh. as that scene oh, yeah. goes on. So, uh, so Rat Tail, uh, he's using his cane as a weapon, taking out the punks. Um, so, um, then we find the corpse of a woman found by the police in a garbage can. And <laughs> Detective Jimmy Williams, <laughs> which was this is another uh, Fort Apache, the Bronx. I think you'd see like, if you've ever yeah. seen that film. Uh, another New York mm-hmm. film. He's, that's typical. You see a dead body just thrown in the trash like that. Detective Jimmy Williams and Detective Gina Flores are on the scene. Uh, the pale man meets up with the plutonium killer again, and the pale man tells him uh, he doesn't like all the exposure his style of uh, abductions are getting. So the plutonium killer calls Freddy Cufflinks and tells him to move faster, and one of the punks of Freddy's wearing a members-only jacket known as Rico. And plutonium killer wants Freddy to bring uh, the reporter to him. That's Randy. So Detective Jimmy Williams is talking to himself, and then he has this epiphany that John is a New York ninja. He's very clever, this detective. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, he just figured, <laughs> figured that out. Just you know. And then uh, Detective Jana Flores appears and tells Jimmy Williams that she's undercover. And she's wearing a New York ninja shirt while undercover. So Rainey's interviewing Mayor Lewis with the scenes great, with Jack recording and John doing the sound at the park. And then Freddy Cufflinks and his punks abduct Randy. A, a gun is pointing at uh, to John's head, and the kid now appears. The mayor tries to get involved, and Rico says, "Fat bitch, sit your ass down." 
It gives him a palm thrust to the forehead, which I'm sure you were dying when you saw this. This whole scene was ridiculous with this, uh, the mayor. He was just, you know, it was just, it reminded me of that fight scene in the uh, other movie that we reviewed where it was just like overly 80s as by as far as like the gimmicks go and stuff. So mm-hmm. it was just, it was that good. <laughs> so. Uh, so then they, then this it gets more absurd. Now the kid is talking to other kids at the park and he said he needs their help. So then these mysterious eggs of powder are being thrown at Freddy Cufflinks, and uh, Randy breaks free from them. Freddy says, my eyes, as if this powder really blind. And he's wearing sunglasses, but he says, my eyes. <laughs> so um, the kid, and then these kids are very quick, too. They're dressed up, some of them, as ninjas, and it shows mm-hmm. that they're responsible for throwing the eggs. And they got these eggs, too. Where, uh, so I guess the kid walks around with ninja suits and eggs. And then yeah. they're throwing these eggs like crazy, um, almost like another. I'm gonna make another Batman '66 reference. Uh, egghead, just seeing <laughs> what they're throwing eggs like crazy. So then, uh, Freddy and uh, his punks uh, they just run off. Then we see the plutonium killers having another orgasm with the green light, with the the box. He opens it up in his face, and on the television, uh, the plutonium killer hears about how children foiled the abduction of Randy Rydell. Rat Tails in the Cadillac with the plutonium killer following Jack, the cameraman who's jogging. The plutonium killer shoots his dart gun, knocking him out. Then Detective Jana Flores gets into her car, and one of Freddie Cuffling's goons pops up and yells, Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Freddie and Rico join in and drive off with Jana Flores. And then they realize she's a cop, and they just laugh. They're not. They're not uh, threatened. They just. They just crack up and they see her badge. So then the pale man uh, is talking with Jimmy Williams, and says he's uh, he's uh, really not a customer. He explains to Jimmy Williams that he's undercover from Interpol, and the plutonium killer is responsible for the abductions taking place. He's infiltrating an international prostitution ring. The plutonium killer is the ringleader and is ex-CIA and fell victim to a government experiment involving radiation. His only weakness is light, hence why he's wearing the sunglasses, Rick. You got that? I got that. that. (laughs) So John is walking down the street and sees a hand sticking out of a car holding the roof and recognizes a cufflink. Hence, Freddie Cufflink's the name. And so Freddie and his boys are in the car. Freddie says, what the fuck are you looking at? And this, uh, <laughs> was, this is a very Joe Pesci. Yeah, yeah. That part was great because he just like, <laughs> the, the way he like overly drops the newspaper and pretends to pick it up. And it, it was like, he was, yeah, yeah, he tries to be clever doing this, right? And it took forever, you know, and then the, what the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> So John calls Randy in the payphone, which is another 80s thing. You kind of take for granted these smartphones we have because you really had to go out of your way, which is used constantly in this film, payphones. Uh, so Randy's on the payphone telling her to meet her in the park. I'm sorry, John calls Randy, tells her to meet her in the park. He says it's important. So Randy's waiting for Freddie and the boys. They, they abduct her, and the ninja appears. Ninja... Uh, the ninja ties up and hangs Switchblade, that's one of the uh, the punks, and briefly cuts him loose. Freddy shoots uh, at the ninja, distract him, and they run off at Randy. So then Randy's dragged into a building with other abducted women with a guy wearing leather, this black leather pants, leather vest, a giant chain around his neck, and an eye patch with a whip leading the way. <laughs> I know you like this guy, right? Oh, yeah, that's so 80s. <laughs> 
So, oh, it's great. So then John is near the Brooklyn Bridge. I, I believe it is uh, a bridge. And Detective Jimmy Williams uh, said he knows uh, who John is. And he, uh, he needs John's help to get his wife's killer and his partner back. But John said he knows Jimmy wants him alive, but John wants revenge. So uh, so then the plutonium killer calls Freddy Cufflinks. And Freddy tells the plutonium killer he wants Randy. Uh, he has Randy. He wants uh, to pay extra to meet them in person. Plutonium killer says he'll send his driver. And Freddy said he wants him alone. Then the black Cadillac arrives and Freddy rips open the back door and his partner. Uh, no one is in the back seat. So then uh, Plutonium Killer is actually the driver. And then Plutonium Killer holds two guns in order to, to get the game and bring in the reporter. Then the New York Ninja appears and tries throwing a net on the gang, but then it gets reversed. And then the Plutonium Killer gets involved. And then the ninja escapes and encounters Rat Tail with two swords, which Rick enjoys, right? And they have oh, this yeah. sword battle. Um, the Rat Tail guy was basically like fencing. Like he had like a <laughs> fencing <laughs> sword. And he was doing it all fancy, like, uh, you know, like in like they make fun of, uh, was it like uh, French people in a, in a movie that are fencing or something like that? Yeah. But, so, it, it was in the Rat Tail is, is using his drunken sword style, is what, is what, is that, what it was referred to. Yes. Yeah, so he's like, now I'm doing drunken style or something. <laughs> and it's like, Oh my god! I didn't even know like what to think of this. It was it was hilarious. It was really ridiculous. Oh the, yeah, it was swaying great. back and forth. And it, also, the, uh, John's outfit, the ninja outfit, it looked didn't look like a real ninja outfit to me. It looked I'm homemade. Not, yeah, yeah. It, it looked did, like it he was. Not. It looked like he was wearing a bed sheet or something. Yeah, like, did not. Did, <laughs> so, yeah, did not. Yeah, it wasn't impressive like all the other ninja films we were talking right. about the canon, the canon group ones. Yeah, this one was. Uh, yeah, it was it wasn't impressive, and at the same time, now they have uh, Jimmy Williams finds the abducted women is captured, and then Rat Tail mm-hmm. gets killed apparently by the New York yes. Ninja during this this fight. Then the Plutonium Killer burns a picture of Jack the Cameraman in his room, and and then cackles. Then the uh, Plutonium Killer is walking down the street, uh, but now he looks like Jack after doing this, uh, whatever he did now to this picture. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he laughs in the plutonium killer voice while reading the headline, Ion Crime Blinded, Randy Riddell Nabbed. So New York Ninja is now ready to infiltrate the building where the abducted women are. He takes out two guards with a blow dart inside the building. He frees the women. Detective Gina Flores helps by taking out a goon. Slow motion. This woman, you could tell, never had any actual martial arts training because she was absolutely terrible. That was, yeah, it was, uh, that was just horrific. It was like, you could tell she, it didn't even look like it was well choreographed at all. No, like, no, no. Just, yeah. <laughs> like they could have, you know, honestly, they could have probably fixed it if they bothered to, but. Uh, if you did like a different camera angle, it wouldn't yeah. look as bad, you know. Yeah. But, it was, yeah. but, but that's the charm of this film, the ridiculousness. Right. So everyone is free except the patch guy grabs Detective Gina Flores, says to her, how about some head? <laughs> <laughs> gives her a headbutt. Then Gina pokes him in his uh, his one eye, blind him, kicking him in the nuts. And then uh, Detective Jimmy Williams leads all the women into a van to safety. <laughs> then Randy Riddell is out in the field. The plutonium killer is emulating Jack. Talks to her, uh, says, where are the bad guys? Then Randy points out the ninja, and the plutonium killer says, I don't have time for that. Let's go. Then Randy realizes because that it's not Jack, and she takes off his sunglasses, and the ninja pulls off pulls out the mirror reflecting sunlight into his face. 
of the plutonium killer. Then his face, like this mask of Jack, melts and reveals his true identity. Then the plutonium killer throws rain into his Cadillac, and the ninja follows. Uh, ninja throws a grappling hook into the car and it starts dragging him. And then this scene is great, how the trunk of the car opens up while while it's moving, and then the ninja flips inside the trunk and it closes. Somehow he got enough traction to be able to, <laughs> yeah, to jump. I don't know. Yeah, this is where you needed the roller skates, right? Yeah, like he was being literally being dragged, then all of a sudden, like, made himself flip up and jump, land perfectly in the trunk, and then shut the trunk. It was just, yeah. like, what yeah, the hell? <laughs> it, was, it was phenomenal. And the, and the suit was not ripped up because of the nice white nope. ninja suit. was still pristine, yep. uh, no dirt or anything. So then the uh, Plutonium Killer Parks wants to escape with Randy using a helicopter, and his goons are inside. And they kill a few technicians and force a pilot uh, to take them out. The ninja appears and takes out some of the punks while others escape with Randy and the plutonium killer drags the pilot. Um, the last goon um, is using a fan, gets killed. <laughs> I'm sorry, the, the ninja uses a fan to kill the goon. Uh, they go into the helicopter. The pilot tells the plutonium killer the gas tanks aren't full and they can't leave. So then the plutonium killer gets out of the, the helicopter to fight uh, the New York ninja. Now, what do you think of this scene, Rick? Oh, it was phenomenal. I mean, it was no, uh, you know, was that Revenge of the Ninja fight scene? But this was, this was, this was up there, man. The uh, did you notice that there was a kind of a ode to Revenge of the Ninja in a way in this movie? And yeah, what uh, sense? With the uh, at one point he used the shooting star in between the toes. Okay. The, okay. Yeah. So it's like that's immediately what I thought of when I when I saw that because. It had uh, it had been featured, and we talked about that scene pretty heavily uh, in the last review that we did, I think. So okay, yeah. so now this sword is awesome because it's a retractable sword. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So then the ninja blocks uh, his darts with his fan. He uses a fan again, and then the, um, you think the blue time killer is about to decapitate the ninja by Highlander style by hitting him back of the head, but the handle of uh, the sword is hidden in the back. Yes. So that protects his neck, which was clever. So then uh, the ninja now uses a sword against plutonium killer. It cuts the belt off of his um, Duncan McLeod style raincoat, right? This is very Highlander-esque. Do you agree? Oh, well, the funny part is that you said that this is very Highlander-esque. Uh, the ninja at two points during the movie was very in Highlander-esque where he was doing those backflip cartwheel things. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. When, yeah. We, when we were talking about that, when we were talking about that within uh, talking Highlander, the first Highlander movie, when we did that review, that we thought that was hilarious. So, yeah. yeah. And he's wearing a brown corduroy suit now, plutonium killer, once his jacket comes off. Ah, uh, those, <laughs> those corduroy suits were awesome. Dude. So then the plutonium killer charges towards the ninja with a sword, and uh, ninja uses the sword to make the plutonium killer sort of retract back into its handles. So then the ninja tries to take the sunglasses off, like, little by little, like, nicking it. (laughs) (laughs) This was so goofy, but it it was was great. It was so bad. And then one of the punks saves the plutonium killer. Then the plutonium killer forces the pilot into the helicopter, and they lift off. Then the New York ninja grabs onto a rope that somehow just appears onto the helicopter and climbs into it. Uh, Then the, the New York ninja jumps out. And uh, he, but first he leaves a bomb in the helicopter, and then uh, it explodes. 
Oh, you're forgetting that. Hey, what's that noise? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it was it was great. It was great. <laughs> so um, then the ninja is that he's dangling off the structure, and the police uh, tell him to come to come down. Then the ninja is handcuffed, and one of the cops wants to take off his mask. And uh, Jimmy Williams says, uh, "We'll see his face soon enough." And then a group of kids that we saw earlier before come out uh, behind the car with "We Love New York Ninja" signs and "I Love New York Ninja" shirts. This was sort of like Toxic Avenger when they have "I Love the," uh, yeah. you know what I'm talking about when they're wearing love, those Toxic Avenger yeah. shirts. Yeah, I love Toxic or whatever. Yeah, 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 very, very similar to that. Then uh, the ninja then disappears during the celebration. And then John is on the rooftop looking at an I Love New York Ninja promo pin and smiles putting it on. And uh, then Miranda tells John to please caught the guys that caught Nita. The New York Ninja is a real hero. <laughs> and then it ends with the, the New York Ninja will return in L.A. Ninja, which unfortunately uh, I don't think we'll ever see New York Ninja. So yeah, so unfortunately we'll we will not see LA Ninja, but I mean we have to be thankful that we did get to see New York Ninja. It was a lot of work uh involved in putting this together, but uh it was worth the wait. So what do you think, Rick? How many throwing stars do you give this film? Uh honestly, jeez. I, I see I couldn't decide, honestly, to go if I really wanted to throw it in the trash and give it just a one star. Or, um, or just give it five stars as it's possibly the greatest movie that ever made. That's <laughs> yes. I mean, it, it's almost at the five, the five star yeah. because all the work involved, uh, just the fact that a new script has to be written, all the editing involved. If you look at all the the cut footage, he had to go through tons. I think he said there was like seventy five reels. Holy so there's crap. a ton of wow. footage, lots of editing. Uh, they went out of their way to get people like Don the Dragon Wilson, uh, you know, Ginger Lynn Allen, so I uh, mean, Linnea Quigley, Cynthia Rothrock. I mean, so it, uh, those elements make this uh, almost a five five star yeah. film. Yeah, the, the fact that I was like, I'd like to give it a five star based, you know, based on the hard work that the uh, gentleman put into it, and uh, the story's not. Obviously, it's not his fault. That's not the greatest. He had no idea what was going on, and you couldn't figure it out because it wasn't overdubbed or any of that stuff. So. And he had to try. Like I said, he was looking at what they're trying to say, saying, okay, let me try right. to up something similar so it doesn't look completely off. Right. So, um, yeah, no, I, I see we're, we're both on the same page. Yeah. Uh, I think given this, I mean, this only came out uh, like less than a month ago Okay. on, on, on Blu-ray. So uh, yeah. that's the only way you can watch this now from Vinegar Syndrome. Um, it's uh, one of the best Blu-ray sets I've, I've seen. It's really packed. Uh, did you the, look at the booklet at all, the, Rick? Yeah, I looked at it. I actually have it open in front of me well, as well right now. I'm looking through it again. Uh, this, the the packaging is amazing. It's beautiful. Like the, the, you know, they went all out in printing just the little booklet. Just the, the outer cover of the Blu-ray set is just you know, it's the artwork is amazing that they did, and then you know you, you take it out of the box, and then there's a slip cover for it too. That's really cool, and then you finally get to the box. You know what I mean? It's just there's so much really awesome stuff that's involved with this the way that it's packaged, and uh, it's I have to say it's definitely up there with the probably the best packaging out of a Blu-ray set that I've ever seen. Oh yeah, it's up there definitely, and 
once I think once you start watching this, you learn more about the film. Like I did, I just started okay, just little by little, I'm watching mm-hmm. everything on there, all the the special features. I mean, I, when you get time, Rick, I, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I'll get time to watch it again. You know, it's you know, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty busy, so it's hard for me to sit down. And oh, watch I know Definitely. a lot of things. So you know, I got to watch the movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, I'd like to catch. The extra stuff, you know, I could find some of the information online uh, that I've been going through back and forth. IMDb doesn't really have a lot. No, this is this actually doesn't have a lot of information on IMDb. They don't have all the names of the actors. Yeah, I've noticed that. Um, Yeah, the the main guy was the John Liu, right? Is is his name? I he seems very familiar. I've probably seen him. Yes, and now the and the special features they go over because I'm like you and I, like we both grew up watching a lot of the, the reruns, you know, the old seventies Kung Fu movies every Saturday, but I'm by no means an expert. Yeah. I'm by no means an expert on Kung Fu movies, but I enjoyed them growing Mm up. Absolutely. But this goes over a lot of the history of, uh, of all different types of Kung Fu movies, martial arts movies, and John Liu. It's very, very interesting actually. So I actually want to explore it more now after watching that. So, um, Rick, where can everyone find you? Anybody can find me on Twitter at the Rick Del Santo. Uh, if you want to follow my podcast feeds, uh, they're at PWZ Podcast. You know, we talk about professional wrestling, and once in a while, we um, get a little goofy and talk things that are related to professional wrestling, but not necessarily um, professional wrestling. So, if you want, go ahead and uh, subscribe to our social media and our new um, feed on Apple and Spotify. Uh, so thank you. Thank you very much for having me again, John. I always enjoy coming here. Oh, I, had to, I forgot to mention a very, very important element of this film, too. Sure. Uh, the soundtrack, Voyager 3, I thought was fantastic. They, this whole new score that they had to make for this film, okay. uh, great. Uh, I'm actually, I ordered the, uh, the CD of it. Okay. So, uh, so that's it. Uh, Rick, you thank you again for... Uh, for coming on and everyone just uh buy this is i don't ever tell anybody to go out of their way to get something but i would say go out of your way if you like 80s ninja films uh, campy humor uh at, you know vinegar syndrome is a place to get this and just remember look at you you're trash To see photos and links about each subject we discuss in each episode, please go to anchor.fm slash shocking things. That has all of our episodes and links to our social media, as well as a link to the shocking things store.